Good morning, International Christian Fellowship Online Campus and all of those that call ICF Rome your family of faith, or maybe you're just joining us today for the very first time. My name is Pastor Jennifer Pasquale, and I want to say welcome to you. If you're new to the city of Rome, I want you to feel that you are a part of the family of faith here at ICF Rome. If you're looking and watching and joining the service online, I want to say thank you for participating. Thank you for investing in your own life that your faith will grow, that you have opportunity to worship Jesus. So I invite you to lean into today's service. I want you to know that we pray over every service. I believe this year we are to be the living proof, the evidence that God is at work in each of us. I also believe that Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is the living, loving proof for your life, for your miracles. So today, as you worship, ask the Lord to hear your worship, receive your worship. As you hear the ministry of the word, lean in and say to the Lord, how do you want to change my thinking? How do you want to increase my faith? How do you want to form my spiritual walk so that I can walk in victory? I'm so happy you're a part of this service today. I want you to celebrate with the worship and I want you to grow in the word of God. Enjoy today's service. <laughs> you do look great today. Amen. We welcome our online campus. Can everybody just give a really loud clap for that online campus? I am so excited. In the next couple weeks, we're going to have people that have been joining us online on Wednesdays and Sundays who are going to come and be a part of our on-campus family. So, if you're waiting for the opportunity, come on over and visit us. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. I do want to encourage you, if you have made a new commitment in this season of your life to follow Jesus in a deeper way, the Bible says in Revelation, we do our first works again. And so we have an amazing new baptism pool that has everything included. It's heated. It's going to be so wonderful. It's not so giant like the one we had before. You won't feel scared. You get to make a public declaration of that total immersion in Jesus. Amen? Uh, how many of you remember when you were baptized? Raise your hand if you remember. Yes, I do. I went to a church that was a round church, and I remember, actually, I had not planned it, and I wanted to be baptized. And I remember running around the circle to the pastor like, don't stop. I'm supposed to be in there. And he looked at my mom who was on the piano, and he said, she was like, yes, she loves Jesus. And so I got to be baptized and went home in somebody's long T-shirt. I was like 12 years old. And I'll never forget it because I made a public declaration. So I encourage you. If you need to do that again, it will be so life-changing, and it is a wonderful time to invite friends. Amen? And you're supposed to invite friends next Sunday, right, for Resurrection Sunday as well. So today, we are coming to the Lord with our communion, and you should have, everyone should have a cup. If you did not pick up a cup on your way in and you need one, please lift your hand and someone will serve you if you need a cup. We have a couple up here. Y'all need cups? Huh? Lift your hand if you need it so they know to bring it to you. Amen. And I just have to take a moment because we pray and things happen. Amen. I see Joseph at the back. Joseph, we praise God. Joseph was in the hospital. He's out. I'm so happy you're here. Look at him. First Sunday back and he's on duty serving like he always does. Um. We praise God for healing and restoration, and I'm so happy to see you this morning. You know, I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians 13. In this church, we serve an open communion, which means even if it's your first time, but you have made that commitment to Jesus according to Scripture, which I will read to you in a moment, you're welcome to receive that communion with us. 
But I also want you to think about the Lord's Supper. That's another thing that we call communion. It's something we do because Jesus said, I want you to do this as often as you can in remembrance of me. So we do it on the first Sunday of every month. I love that it's today, Palm Sunday, the week before Jesus revealed and we celebrate his resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 starting at verse 23, says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. So this is a symbol of his body, which is for you. His body was broken for you and I. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. The juice represents the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for us. Do this, and whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So then, here's the part for all of us. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For a moment, I want you to close your eyes. And I'm asking you, examine your heart right now. If you're online and you can go get your juice or your bread to worship with us in communion. I can't save you. Jesus saves you. I can't forgive you. Jesus forgives you. I can't heal you. Jesus heals you. So, Father, right now, as we bow our heads in humble petition before Jesus, we examine our hearts. I examine my heart. If there's any wicked way, forgive I ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry for my sins. That's what you say to Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. God, I want to live for you. I want to do what's right according to Scripture. I thank you for the sacrifices that you made on the cross. I thank you that death, hell, and the grave did not keep our Lord and Savior there, but you had the power to defeat sickness and sin, and you did it. For every single person in this room and online. I also, before we partake, I want you to picture Jesus saying to you, Hey, son. Hey, son. Hey, daughter. It's me, Abba. I'm in heaven right now preparing a place for you that one day you will sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want you to imagine this. These are from the words of a dear, dear respected leader of our Assemblies of God, Dr. George Wood. And he said, it will be a hall so vast, it stretches as far as the eye can see. So intimate that each of us will feel a part of that supper. Look at the table set with fine linens and dishes ornamented with the dazzling elegance and beauty of heaven. Imagine, banners will stream the vaulted ceilings and the visual delight will press on every sense from the rainbows of color fashioned from the palette of the master artist. The room will be so breathtaking, its beauty can scarcely be taken in. And imagine this, the sound, the sound of angelic music, the sound of the heavenly host of angels singing throughout the banquet room. The orchestra is playing and the instruments are known and unknown with such a symphony of praise. Harps are singing, cymbals are flashing, trumpets are sounding, wind chimes are ringing, bells and horns and lutes and violins and clarinets. From time to time, the instruments will die down so that the vast angel choir positioned throughout the room around that table 
will sing in such a harmony of joy and praise to God, it will banish any pain-filled memory of life on this earth. A powerful angel steps to the podium and announces to the assembled crowd of people and angels and heavenly beings, please stand at your place, he says. The meal, that true marriage supper of the Lamb, will begin momentarily. A hush falls in the room. We look at those standing next to us and further out to that vast tapestry of guests in grand assembly, and we cannot help but notice faces of joy and eyes that are glistening with happiness. Entering now to the head table in the company of apostles and prophets and martyrs who bear the burden in the heat of the day, we remain faithful and true. And the moment comes. The last earthly guest is standing at his or her place. And another mighty angel announces the entry of the most honored guest. I present to you the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus of Nazareth, the trumpets begin their fanfare and the angels lift their voices in harmony. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And he enters majesty in all of his beauty. The son of man, the son of God. He walks to his place of honor. And silence falls. And he says to each and every one of us at this last, most beautiful forever supper. Welcome to my supper. Let's take of the cup together. And so as we pray, as we prepare to take this bread, you peel back that first layer and you pull out that wafer and you say to the Lord, it's not just about today. It's about me walking in holiness and health and vitality so that one day I can be seated in that heavenly hall and rejoice and say, hallelujah, hosanna to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I worship you, Jesus. And Father, as we partake of this bread, I pray that for every sickness represented in this room or online, that we will not forget that you are Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Father, you took those stripes so that we could be healed. Don't let fear and doubt creep in and cause us to think we cannot be healed. We can be healed in Jesus' name. We are healed in Jesus' name. By your stripes, we are healed. So, Father, I pray for that one who maybe had stopped praying for healing. Today, you remind them, I am the Lord, your healer. The miracle is in motion. And as we break this bed, bread and partake together, we believe for healing in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread. And then in that heavenly hallway, there'll be that one last cup that we take together. He will say, I did it for you. I did it so that you could be forgiven of sin. And you're sitting in this heavenly hallway right now. And I want you to know something. It's not just about how you start your journey with Jesus. It's about staying on the journey. It's about finishing the journey. It's about not giving up when it gets hard. So, Father, today, I pray in Jesus' name as we partake of this cup that we would receive forgiveness of our sins. Not from the juice, but from Jesus Christ himself. Purify us. Draw us closer to you. As we drink together, we thank you for your sacrifice. And we thank you that Resurrection Sunday is coming. And we partake together in Jesus' name. Let's drink. Can you just lift your hand a minute when you're finished and say, Thank you, Jesus. Tell him he's Abba to you. He loves for you to thank him. He loves for you to love him. Take it for real. Take it for preciousness. Thank you, Jesus, that I don't do life alone. You're as close as the mention of your name. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
We're humbled at how much you loved us. Even when we were sin, sinning and dirty and, and unpure, God, you loved us. And you had a plan, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a very strong amen. Amen, 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 amen. Well, today it is my privilege to introduce to you Pastor Casey Nochi from Adrian, Michigan. And uh, yeah, you can give my hand, but I got to tell you some stuff first. Pastor Casey was actually with us in 2016 for three months as a missionary associate hung the projector that still hangs in the kids' world, uh, organized and wrote curriculum so that our children's workers could continue the work at that time. He's authored four or five, four books. Um, you can find them online and talk to him afterwards. He loves walking people through their journey with Jesus. One of his books is called Be Like Jesus. He told me when he was here in 2016, Pastor Jen, I love it but I, I don't want to come back alone. And so he got married a few months ago and brought his beautiful wife, Bethany. So I'm so happy to have Casey and Bethy, Bethany staying with me this week. Pastor Casey, would you please come? Welcome, Pastor Casey. One more time. Come on, ICF Rome. We're family. This guy rocks. <laughs> this is okay. Uh, but they are a ton of fun, and it is some intense ministry in middle school. So you could be praying for me. Um, but I remember when I came here the first time, um, man, it was such a joy to be in a church um, led by the, the heroes of mine, Pastor Rick and Pastor Jennifer Pasquale. Um, and I can't I can't um, overstate how honored I am to speak behind this pulpit from which they have so faithfully preached the gospel for years. So it really is an honor to be here. Um, and could you just thank your wonderful pastor, Pastor Jim. Thank you for having me. I am humbled to be here. And uh, if it's all right with you, I'd like to tell you a little story uh, today before we kind of get into uh, the rest of my message. But um, <laughs> it's a story, uh, I think it's a good story. It's about how I met my wife, my lovely wife up front, uh, Bethany. So I was going to go speak at a uh, young adult service, a youth and young adult service uh, in Michigan, which is what I do from time to time. I'll go from church to church preaching. And uh, I was really excited for this service because it was a really dear friend of mine, uh, the youth pastor there who asked me to come and speak. And, um, and when I was driving up uh, to the church, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Casey, this is why you came back to Michigan. Uh, because I had previously been at James River Church with, uh, you guys know Randall. He was here. Was he here last week? Two weeks ago? Well, he says hello. Um, so I was previously down there. Then I came back to Michigan and um, the Lord said, this is why you came back to Michigan. You're going to meet somebody tonight going to meet your wife tonight, Casey. And in the, I was driving the car. Have, have you ever had the Lord tell you that? <laughs> He's never told me that before. Um, and so I kind of had the thought in the back of my head. I said, okay, that sounds like the Lord, but I've never heard the Lord say that. I've never known the Lord to say that to anybody, but we're going to go with it, right? So you know what I did after I got that word when I showed up to the church? Do you think I walked into the church with my eyes closed? No, I walked into the church looking. <laughs> I walked into the church looking for somebody, right? And, I, and the first thing I did, I walked into the back of the sanctuary, and there were two, uh, two, two worship leaders on stage leading worship, and they were kind of directing, so their back, their back was towards me. And I thought, I wonder who they are looking, right? And uh, it was my friend's wife and her sister. I said, nope. We're not seeking anymore. We're not looking anymore. It was a failed experiment. It's, that was not God. Have you ever gotten a word from the Lord and you talked yourself out of it? And you thought, that's not God. That couldn't possibly be the Lord, right? So I started preaching. And while I was speaking, I noticed in the back row this beautiful, this beautiful girl. And I thought to myself, 
well, she is the only one here who's my age. Because <laughs> it, was, it was a youth, young adults thing, right? So I thought, well, she must be a, one of the youth leaders or maybe a pastor here. I don't know. And she was sitting in the back, and I kept preaching, and the Holy Spirit came on me, and I preached an amazing sermon. And I had a plan at that moment because I remembered my word. I said, I have to figure out if this girl is married because that would be a problem. And I figured out if she was married, I need to see if she has a ring on her finger. And so I figured I had plan A and plan B. Plan A was a subtle plan, a simple plan. I'm going to ask at the end, the altar call, if you want to receive salvation. You raised your left hand, right? And then I could see. Well, that plan failed because she was already saved, which is good. So she didn't raise her left hand. So, okay, let's go to plan B. Plan B was I need to talk to her, which was a scary plan. So after the, uh, after the sermon, I went to the fellowship hall area. Uh, there were some snacks, and I introduced myself. And I had one, uh, one um, objective to see if she was married. And she held her hand in her pocket the whole conversation. And the second she pulled out her hand... And I saw that she didn't have a wedding ring on. I said, nice to meet you, and I got to go. So I got the information I came for. I got back in my car. A friend was with me. I looked at him. I said, did you see that, that woman I was talking to, the brunette girl? And he said, yeah, you were talking to her for like two minutes. I said, that is future Mrs. Nochi. And today... Babe, show them your left hand. It's got a ring on. <laughs> and the reason I wanted to tell that story is because God gave me a word. And in order to see her, I had to seek her. And I was going to church. I, was, I wasn't planning on meeting anybody. But when the Lord gave me that word, it changed what I was, changed what my, my, my focus was. Because I, I now had to seek I had to look for her. In order to see, you have to seek. Everybody say, in order to see, you have to seek. In other words, seeking comes before seeing. If you're online, you can go ahead and write that in the chat. Seeking comes before seeing. Pastor Jennifer asked me to talk about this name of God, El Roy. El Roy, it means he is the God who sees us. He's the God who sees us. And I want to tell you, church, he's not only the God who sees us, he's the God who seeks us. He seeks you. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro, searching for hearts that are for him. He is looking for you. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. God is not just a God who casually walks past us and notices. He's a God who intentionally pursues us. That's the type of God that he is. The name Elroy comes from a story about Hagar. Now, Hagar is a very strange story. Have you ever read the story of Hagar in Genesis chapter 16? Is it all right if I read that story this morning? You guys are good if I read the Bible in church? That's okay? All right, I love churches that let me read the Bible. That's great. I'd rather read the Bible than share any of my notes, to be honest with you. They're better. Better written, definitely. Genesis 16, 7 through 13. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son and you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. 
and he will be like a wild donkey of a man. His hands will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility towards all of his brothers. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for now I have seen the one who sees me. Now I have seen the one who sees me. Now this story is confusing in a lot of ways. And it's very easy to get caught up in the drama, the family drama going on in the family of Abraham. Why was Sarah being so mean to Hagar? Uh, It was her idea that Hagar have Abraham's child. And then she conceives of Abraham's child. And then Sarah makes it so incredibly difficult for Hagar to live there that she ends up leaving. But I don't want to get into the drama this morning, the family drama. We all understand that. Instead, I want to talk to you about God seeing Hagar, because this is the point of the story. She doesn't name God, God, the God of family drama, the God who, you know, reconciles people back together. She says he's the God who sees me. And that's interesting, because that's the point of this whole story. So how do we get to there? In this context... We're hearing of a story of an Egyptian slave woman. Now, right there, students of Scripture, of the First Testament, should think of each of those three words. An Egyptian slave woman. In this time period, we're talking about this family of God chosen from the line of Abraham. In the, in, in the First Testament, you have Egypt kind of set up as this antithesis to Israel. So Egypt is the antagonist in the story of the First Testament, right? Egypt is who you shouldn't be like, and Israel is who you should be like. You have God's kingdom of Israel, and you have the, the enemy's empire, the worldly empire of Egypt. And so Hagar is an Egyptian. She's going back home. She's leaving the family of God to go back to the kingdom of this world, where she comes from. And so automatically, she's not included in this family. She's Egyptian. She's not from the family of Abraham. She's not part of that chosen family of God. Yet God sees her. She's an Egyptian. She's also a slave. She's a slave. She does not have any autonomy to herself. She can't decide what time she wakes up in the morning. She can't decide what she's going to do for work. She can't decide much about her personal identity. She's poor. She's dependent. In this culture, especially then, the slave was the lowest class. Despite her low class, God saw her. God doesn't care about your socioeconomic status. He doesn't care if you're poor. He doesn't care if you're rich. He's the God who sees you. And thirdly, she's an Egyptian slave woman. Again, in this culture, a woman, especially a pregnant woman who is unmarried, would have had no honor. No honor, no position, no social standing. Yet God saw her. Hagar is perhaps the perfect character to make this statement about God, being the God who sees. Because she's the perfect character. She's the most likely character to have not been seen by anybody. An Egyptian slave woman was seen by the almighty God. How often do you pass by people? How often do you you pass by people who, who you may consider unimportant? If you were to see one of your personal heroes, a famous movie star, a famous singer, athlete, walks into the room, you would notice them, wouldn't you? You would notice because they're somebody of importance. But do you notice every person? 
God does. God doesn't care about your nationality. He doesn't care about your ethnicity. God doesn't care about your gender. God doesn't care whether you're male or female. Paul says there's no male, no female anymore. Guys, we all get to preach the gospel. You get to preach the word of God, male or female. God doesn't care about your socioeconomic status. You could be the richest among us. You could be the poorest among us. God sees you. And notice, again, God doesn't just see you. God seeks you. The angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar. It wasn't like, it wasn't like she walked past the angel of the Lord. It said the angel of the Lord appeared to her. God came to her to meet her where she's at. What the story is trying to get us to understand is that God is not passive. He's intentional. And maybe you've never heard that before, that God actually seeks you. God seeks you out. Perhaps you thought you just came to church this morning because it's Sunday morning and that's what you do. But God has been seeking you all week. And God has been leading you to this place this morning so that you would know that he sees you. You might say, God, I've been praying and I haven't heard an answer. God sees you. He says, keep praying, keep believing, keep the faith, keep reading the word. That is the type of God that we serve. He sees us. And, you know, the most amazing thing about this, this part isn't in my notes, but God created the heavens. He could be looking at the stars and the galaxies. He could be looking at all of the beautiful things in nature, the mountains, the seas, all those beautiful things we love to look at, right? Yet God looks at us. He could be, I would be, if I was God, I'd be looking at the stars all day long. Wow, how beautiful. Comets flying the planets, the solar systems. Yet God says, those are nothing compared to you. He sees us. He's looking for us. So what do we do? How do we respond to such a God? This is a different type of God. This isn't a God who who makes us go, you know, through the ringer to get to him. This is a God who comes to us. How do we respond to such a God? Well, I have two points for you this morning. Number one is simple. We seek him back. We seek God back. Because it's not just that God stumbles upon us. You don't see what you're not looking for. Everyone, go ahead, close your eyes. Close your eyes. What color shoes am I wearing with your eyes closed? (laughs) You can open your eyes. How many of you knew I was wearing brown, brown leather shoes? How many of you didn't? Yeah, be honest. Why? You weren't looking. Right? It's very easy to see what you're looking for, but it's not easy to see what you're not looking for. (laughs) In fact, your eyes see every single thing that's in front of them. Every single detail. Your eyes are incredibly brilliant. But did you know your mind only registers like a small percentage of what you actually see? Because if, if, if you were to just see everything and every detail and register it, your, your brain would explode. You wouldn't be able to comprehend all the information that you're gaining. So your brain limits what you actually see to what you actually seek. So now when you focus on something, you can see it clearly. How do we respond to this God? We seek him back. Seek the Lord where he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Seek the Lord. Say that with me. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. It says, turn to the Lord. It means I'm looking this way, and I need to turn that way. God is among us. 
Not just in a metaphysical sense. Not just in a supernatural sense. God is physically present among us through the Holy Spirit. He is here in this room. Do you see him? Can you see God moving in your life? In the mundane ways, that, in, in, in the mundane places, do you see him on the bus? Do you see him on the street? Do you see Jesus in your work? When we seek God, there's many ways to seek God. We, we can read our Bible. That's seeking God, right? We, we're hearing the word of God. Spend time in prayer, seeking God, praying. Now, prayer is not just a one-way conversation. It's a two-way street. You have to listen when you pray. We don't just tell God all, all, all the things that are on our mind and then not want to hear what's on His. Everybody has that one friend, right? They, they don't let you talk. Prayer is two ways. But have you ever just sat in the silence, in the stillness, and asked God to reveal himself to you? Have you ever looked, looked out at a crowd of people, looked out in nature, and said, God, where are you at? God is out there. He's, he's hiding himself in your day-to-day so that you might seek him. You might say, my day is so chaotic. I wouldn't possibly be able to see God in my day. It's too chaotic. Oh, you can see him if you sit still enough. And you say, where are you, God? I want to see you. What are you teaching me? I sat down the other day outside, and the neighbors were talking, and I thought, I'm just going to sit here and be silent with the Lord. And the neighbors were, were having a conversation. There were cars. There were children over in the schoolyard. It's a beautiful sunny day. Birds are chirping. The flowers smell. You love that. Spring. Now there's the smell of flowers in the air. And I said, God, where are you? What are you, what are you doing right now? Where are you at in this? And I heard the neighbors talking. God said, I'm, I'm right here. I'm with them. I'm with those people. You don't even know them, but I love them, and I know them. I'm right there. I'm over here in the stillness of this flower. I'm here in the brightness of the sun. I'm shining on you, Casey. Have you ever looked for God in your everyday? That's how we seek God. We look at the world differently. We look at the world prophetically. <laughs> I see numbers on a clock, and I don't think it's 1103. I think, what's Matthew 11, verse 3? What's the Lord saying to me? I do. I do. I see colors, people wearing a colorful jacket. What does that color mean? What's the Lord saying to me? I like to find him. Number two, for, well, number one is we seek him back. Number two is how do we respond to this God? We seek out others. If God is the type of God who seeks us out, then we ought to be the type of people who seek out others. God's not called us to stay in a bubble. He said, go into all the world. Go into all of the world. This this is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 11 through 15. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they going to hear unless somebody's preaching? And how are they going to preach unless somebody's been sent? 
as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How will they hear about Jesus unless we go seek after them? Church, there is a, there is a city. There is a neighborhood. There is a workplace, a school, a family that needs you to seek after it. There are people every day you encounter who need you to seek after them. We're coming up into Easter Sunday next week. Celebration Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. This is the perfect time to seek after a friend. To seek after a family member. Some people feel obligated to come to church on Easter. (laughs) Okay. Come on, it's Easter. Come to church. We have breakfast, right? We have breakfast. I'll take you out to lunch afterwards. How about that? It's going to be a beautiful day. How about we intentionally seek one person this week? What if we, what if we actually, every day, sought one person? I'm not even talking about seven different people. I'm, I'm just saying one person. Saying, I know the one person that I want to get to church on Easter Sunday, and I'm going to seek them this week. You know what that means? It means I'm going to reach out to them every day. I'm going to see if they want to get coffee. I'm going to see if they want to go for a walk. I'm going to send them a a text message or funny meme. I'm going to post on their social media. Hey, how you doing? I'm thinking of you. Hey, you know, I was praying for you this morning. What if you prayed for that one person this week, every day? You prayed for them every morning, and then you told them that you prayed for them. Sometimes we pray for people, and we don't even tell them. I love praying for people and then texting them early in the morning. Hey, I'm praying for you this morning. Praying for you this morning. Anything you need me to pray for? Because I got a whole list that the Lord told me. (laughs) You know, if you want to add to that, that's fine. What if you did that? They started thinking every single day this week, somebody is seeking me. Somebody wants me to come to church. They're praying for me. They legitimately believe this stuff. How can somebody be found unless they've been sought? Worship team, you guys can come on up. I'll close with this. Jesus perfectly reveals the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if we want to know what God's like, we look at Jesus. And Jesus was the type of person who would seek and save. He was the type of person who would walk into a crowded pool called Bethesda and see the one person who needed his touch. He was the type of person who in a crowd of people, everybody pressing against him, touching him, would notice the one person who touched the hem of his garment with faith. Who touched me? Everybody, Lord. No, 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 I see there's somebody here. And he turned to seek after her. He's the type of person who, though he has a very busy day scheduled, might have a Roman centurion, the enemy, come up to him and interrupt his schedule and say, if you would just pray. If you would just come to my house. Jesus says, I got you. I see you. I see you. He's the type of person who notices that one of his disciples, Peter, is a little stressed out because his mother has a fever. His mother was sick. He says, Peter, let's go to your house. I see that you're stressed out. I see that you're in trouble. And I see your mother, your mother-in-law. He's that type of God. Jesus is the type of person who would walk to a cross. And while he's hanging in pain, though blood is filling his eyes, You know, he wasn't looking around 
He wasn't looking at himself thinking, wow, how horrible. What a bad predicament I'm in. Jesus on the cross was looking through eternity. He was looking through time into your eyes. Jesus saw you. He went to the cross to seek after you. Knowing if he didn't do it, then you would have to pay your own penalty. He sees you, church. Will you seek him? I'm going to give a a little bit of a call to prayer here for two groups. First group is those of you who you've never really sought after God. Maybe you've heard about Jesus and you've heard about the sacrifice that he made, the payment for your sin. But you've never really made a decision for yourself that you were going to live every day seeking Jesus. That you were going to see him truly, see him rightly as he is that you were going to give your life to him. The Bible says when you choose to seek God, if you call on his name, you will be saved. The second group are those of you who you've been saved, you sought after God, but maybe your heart's become a little hardened. Maybe your heart's become a little callous. Maybe every day has gotten a little too chaotic for you, too stressful, and it's made you focus on your own life. And God's saying, I want you to seek out somebody else. God takes care of us when we go and take care of others. Maybe you've been called somewhere. Maybe God has put a calling on your your heart. He says, I want you to go here I want you to share the gospel to these people. This is a word for you. The Lord's not going to direct you where he won't protect you. If God is calling you somewhere, you need to be obedient. You need to go where he's calling you. You need to say what he's told you to say. directing you. If you're in one of those two groups, you need to seek after God, or you want the Holy Spirit's help to seek after others, if you would just stand where you're at right now, you just go ahead and stand and say, I want to seek after God. I want to seek after others more. I've been, I've been apathetic maybe in my faith walk. Maybe I've been been looking at my own circumstances too much and I want to focus on other people. I want to see the person that God is calling me to see. God has a miracle for somebody in your life and he's given it to you. Don't be the reason a miracle doesn't get where it needs to go. Jesus, you see our hearts, you see us. God, I pray for all of those in group number one, Lord, who want to seek after you. God, I pray in Jesus' name. God, that you would give them the faith to pursue you. Lord, we believe that when we call on your name, we are saved. God, we believe in your sacrifice for us. We believe that you died and rose again. God, we believe that you're the type of God who comes looking for the lost sheep. And we're turning back to you. We want to be found. We want to come home. God, I pray that you bring your children home today. Lord, for that second group, I pray in Jesus' name that you would open our eyes to those around us. God, that you would even reveal right now names of people in our lives who need you who are ready, the fertile soil in our lives, who are ready to receive the gospel, God. I pray that you reveal them to us. Lord, I pray that as you, Holy Spirit, work on their hearts, that you give us the insight as to what to say and how to serve them. 
how to love them, how to pray for them, God. And I pray for supernatural appointments, Lord. I pray for words of knowledge, prophetic words, words of wisdom, Lord, that you would give us by your Holy Spirit to speak into the lives of those around us. God, I pray that you would give us dreams, Lord, for those around us. Father, I pray that we would have dreams in the night of those who need a touch from you. And I pray that when we wake up in the morning, we would send a message to those people. We would call them. We would text them. We would talk to them and say, I had a dream about you last night. The Lord gave me a dream that you needed this. And I'm going to pray with you until you get it. The Lord is there for you. He sees you in your circumstance. God, I pray that you empower us with those spiritual gifts this morning to seek and to save the lost, God. We love you, Jesus. And it is in your holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful that the word of God truly permeates our heart and changes our mindset so we can walk in victory. So today, if something in the message spoke to you, I want you to invite Jesus to be in control in a new way, in a broader way, in a total way. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, you say it, dear Lord Jesus, I invite you right now, I invite you right now to take control of my life. I thank you, God, that you are forgiving me of sin. You are helping me to walk in a new, right relationship with you. And Jesus, from this day forward, I give all of my heart to you, all of my steps to you. And I trust that with your help, Jesus, I can walk in victory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, I also want to pray for your miracle in motion. I know that there are many people who watch online and you have walked through some difficult circumstances already this year. So, Father, right now, for that one who is saying, I need that prayer, I need to know that Jesus hears me, that God sees me, that he's working on my behalf. I pray, the Holy Spirit, that you will come into that place where they're watching right now. You will increase their faith. You will remind them that you are Jehovah Rapha, the healer. You are Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. You are Jehovah Shalom, the peace of God in the midst of anxiety and turmoil. Father, meet every need of your son or daughter that's watching right now. Son or daughter of the Most High God, hear the Lord say to you, I am working. Your miracle is in motion. I'm going to turn your chaos into peace. I'm going to turn your storm into victory. The Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. And he wants to heal your body, mind, and spirit. I want your faith to grow in Jesus' name. If you were here, I'd put my hands on your forehead for your thinking and your shoulders for letting you know that you've got someone holding up your arms today. So Lord, I pray that today the one watching this service online would feel the presence of the Lord. They would know that they are not alone. You are not alone. God is with you. We are with you and your victory is in motion. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Now I also want to say thank you. Thank you for the way that you partner together with your family of faith. I want you to write me. I want you to send me an email. Click on the link. Write us on Facebook or the church website, icfrome.org. And know that today is the beginning of the best week you're going to have so far. I love you and I bless you in the name of Jesus.